Exponential Trust Times is the unique AI channel of trust that offers an innovative formula of mentoring at scale for youth people from all around the world. I'm Dr. Lobna Kari, Executive AI Strategy Growth Advisor and Digital Transformer for Fortune 500 and 440 for more than two decades and the President of AI Exponential Thinker. Exponential Tech Achievers is a unique fair opportunity for young generation to learn from great tech achievers at a global scale about their professional journey, their thought and vision about the sustainable future in the technology exponential era. In this episode, we are uh, lucky to have Florence Dufran, Vice President Technical Authority at Airbus Defense and Space and Vice President at Foundation Mint Telecom. Hi, Laurent, Florence. Hi, Lamna. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Thank you very much for inviting me to this podcast. It's, it's our pleasure, and we have a lot of things to discuss uh, and to, in this uh, nice, authentic conversation today. So we will address, as I said, many topics. But before that, we are really curious about um, your academic background and your story to achieve this successful uh, career, but also this journey in the tech uh, environment and ecosystem. Sure, love, nice. Thank you. So, um, you know, when I when I had to choose what to do, when I graduated, I had to choose what, what studies to do. I have to say, I was not so, so strongly opinionated. I didn't know exactly. My father was uh, an investment bank uh, director, so he was basically funding company trying to helping them to grow. My mother was a literature and history professor, very knowledgeable in her area. And both of them, I was very proud of them. I was putting them on a pedestal. Um, and for sure, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to impress them. And therefore, even though my father tried to push me to do, of course, uh, economic studies and go in the business area the way he was himself, I knew it would be difficult to shine under their shadow. And I decided I need to go my way and I need to impress them by doing something very different. And I actually chose engineering for this reason, but I was not disappointed because really, uh, as I joined, you know, one out of 10, one girl out of 10 boys, that's clear. Uh, I very quickly learned, uh, I appreciated already science and technology. So this was no surprise, but I very quickly learned to appreciate that. And I went through my studies very, very nicely. So that was not really, uh, I, was, I, I was really happy with the, the selection I had made. And um, right after, I joined the wireless industry. And the wireless industry at that moment was nothing close to what we know today. It was only wireless for the first responders, the taxi, and that kind of companies. There was no mass market uh, wireless solution at that moment. It was actually starting, and I joined the team who were developing the standards and working on that. And uh, rightly after, there was a little joke at home where my father would tell me, oh, my daughter is inventing the telephone. And of course, that was not the telephone exactly. And I was not completely inventing. That was not completely right. But at least I could see that I had managed my goal to really impress them on something Which that they great. were not familiar <laughs> with. And here, you know, that, that tells me a lesson for all the young girls who listen to us today, that you've got to listen to your inner feelings. Uh, even when you're not completely determined and you're still very influenceable by the external factors. If you have something that drives you internally, it's very deep, it's profound because it's yours. It can, it's something you need to listen to and really pay attention to. 
And even at the end of the day, the studies that you're going to be you're going to be doing, they will influence your start of career, but not much more because this is something will come back again later. You will probably continue to learn and learn and do different things after. But listen to your inner feelings because really this is something that tells something important for you and it will shape your your profile. Uh, and uh, in my career, so 20 years in the telecom industry, different companies in France, in Canada, in USA, and also, of course, dealing with operators all around the world. And then 10 years in uh, the aerospace industry, where I am still today working in Airbus, the division defense and space of Airbus, to be precise. Um, I had a number of different positions. I worked in the labs, R&D, design, development. I work in the field. Close to the customer, close to the end user, really experiencing the, the grade of service, the throughput, uh, what you can get from the from the wireless networks. I worked sometimes a little bit in the factory. I worked um, in the network operations operation center, monitoring how a network would work. And I also had jobs where I was really facing my uh, Excel spreadsheet to look at numbers and how we're going to project the the revenues, how we're going to protect or EBIT or margin, et cetera. So I've done a number of, of different positions, different functions, but there was one thing that was always there from the first position to the position I have today. It's dealing with very complex technical products. It's dealing yeah. with technology and products that are not simple, that need to be made with a number of different disciplines assembled together, have a, a, you know, a situation of systems where you have to make trade-offs, where you have to understand the user point of view and how it's gonna be used. And that was always there, even in the position where I was really business oriented, I needed to understand what these products were. And that was really something important for me, you know, a, sort of a, a backbone that uh, I like uh, to, be, to be facing that kind of technology. Now, I have to be honest, Lobna, I'm not an expert. I'm not an expert <laughs> in anything. Maybe I've been in the first years, but now it's really over. Uh, the product that we do in Airbus Defense and Space, they go everywhere from a, uh, you know, data fusion algorithm to drive uh, decision-making, automated decision-making for forces to, uh, for example, uh, uh, tankers that do uh, automated air-to-air refueling for helicopters or spacecraft that would bring back uh, uh, samples from Mars. You heard about that in the news recently, I think. We're preparing the, 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 the rover that will bring back the samples. Um, so they are very different and they're very technical and they involve a lot of discipline. So I'm no more an expert in anything in Airbus Defense and Space. We have all the people that we need who really know a hundred times better than me, you know, all of these technology. But I have a sufficient background to really, first of all, grab and understand the stakes the challenges, the opportunities, the where the problem could be, finding rapidly where it could be, and then also, of course, get the enjoyment and the wonder about what the technology can achieve and how quickly it can evolve. Oh my God! I think that you, um, if if we have the, the the chance to discuss for hours, you have a lot of story to tell me about the technology and especially the progress that you are doing and uh, and and leading with the teams for sure collectively uh, about uh, the technology for the airspace but not so also but for for airbus in a general way which is which is amazing right mm -hmm. yeah That's so now cool. let's let's uh, dip, dive deeply a little bit about your current role and the main challenge uh, that that you face uh, in in a daily basis let's say yeah 
Yeah. So my company is actually a branch, one of the branch of Airbus, I think quite, quite well known. It's the branch dealing with defense and space. And defense and space is already a very, very large business area that contains a lot of different things. We have been pulled together only five, six years ago. So it's not that far away. Before we were basically some companies, you know, acting one close to the other with no real connection. When we decided to bring together this, we created a, a community of 9,000 engineers working wow. on all of these products, having all the disciplines from flight dynamics to real-time software, uh, of course, uh, materials and processes, uh, electronics, you name it. So we, we've got the full panel very clearly. And they work on the diversity of portfolio and products that I've, I've given you examples before. Mm -hmm. And the challenge we are, and this is really a journey. This is absolutely not something that happens like that. Huh? You, you, you need to, to take your time. It's to really make them form one unity, work together, understand each other, and at the end really see how we can reuse, how we can um, transfer competencies from one part to the other, how we can align our processes or methods or tools, uh, how we can have the same vocabulary and, and facilitate people mobility, and how we can be more competitive. Because the challenges we have at the end, of course, is that this is a very competitive area. We are facing very fierce competition and also new forms of competition from okay. new on the market. So we absolutely need to be more predictable in our uh, cost estimates, in our schedule estimates. You know, it's a business, space is a business that has been very long institutional driven, huh? institution driven. So we didn't have the same stringent uh, way of looking at schedule and cost as we do have in the, in the full private uh, business. Now it's completely changed. And of course, we need to, to be very, very solid and very robust on this area. Improve our innovation capabilities, continue to lead the market by being very innovative. And that are things that we can achieve by bringing together better understanding you know, all the components that we have and trying to see how we can expand as we can take best practices and put them here. My role in this organization of 8,000 engineers is get to know in, deep, in depth and in detail all of the different components of engineering and act as this super connector, if you see what I mean. I'm really, this is what I am today. I'm a super connector. I'm connecting the teams from the various areas, the various disciplines finding that someone does something and that maybe by getting them to talk together, we can really do one plus one makes three. We can maybe find, eliminate a redundancy of product or of component of module that we have somewhere and really reach another layer of competitiveness. So it's a dynamic role, right? With people, with it's human. Uh, there's a lot there's a lot of interfaces there's a lot of people a ton of people you need to know and understand and on, in addition i mean i mean i've got a, a number of mission uh, of course uh, one of them deals really with the predictability of our uh, of our cost estimates but another one is also related to the sustainability of the products defense and spaces has not been a pioneering industry for the sustainability concept because mm -hmm. we, we well this was not something where our market was really pulling us but now this is here and we really need to think life cycle assessment, um, recyclability of the component, hazardous substances elimination, green IT, you know, all of these things yeah. now. Uh, and this is why we've introduced, for example, electric propulsion on, on space. It's also to, to get that kind of consideration. So this is really something very important, taking a 
an more and more important role, how can technology uh, be considered in the frame of the environmental impact? Before going to the next topic about women and technology, um, uh, in this episode, we have always spontaneous questions, additional ones in order to discuss for sure. What is the, let's, the most enthusiastic topics today that you are working on? One that comes to your mind very quick. I know that you have many, right? But one of them that for sure, it, like it's the most enthusiastic from your perspective, not, not from the business perspective, right? From your perspective, whether it is in your work or in society as well, whether um, the idea is more from your perspective. Um, I have, I'm very interested interesting in a subject that I think is underestimated and underused, which is biomimicry. Um, nature is spontaneously consuming resources in a, in a reasonable manner. Nature is recycling. Nature is paying attention to only using what's needed. Yeah. And we have a lot of lessons to take from the nature. We do, of course, already. Huh? We have products that have been inherited from the observation of certain species, and we have, we have brought that back into the product. But we have no systemic way of ensuring when we design a product that we take the lessons that we could have from the nature. This is a topic that I'm very interested in, that I think is uh, developing um, even in the way it is taught, even in the way we enable the get together of biologists and engineers, for example, it's not yet, we've not yet reached a point of uh, a satisfactory point. So that is one thing that really, uh, really excites me. Great. So we are talking after two days from the Women International Day, right? Mm. And one of the main topics, um, since we are working on diversity and inclusion in technology as well for, for, not, for all genders and not only for women, but let's talk about women and technology now. What are the opportunity and challenge to jump on tech opportunity today? And how can we encourage more young girls to, to, to jump on and especially to, to, be, to believe on their journey over there? Yeah. So yeah, two days ago, we had this International uh, Women's Day with a lot of role models who were you know, put on, on, on the stage and uh, telling us their story. This is very encouraging because I see this is getting traction in a lot of countries, in a lot of companies. This Every year it has more importance. And I think this is good. I, I have to say, I think this is good. And uh, some of us, we choose to challenge, you know, this was the motto of the year. Choose to challenge. This year, <laughs> choose to <Yeah>. challenge. <laughs> Do we want to stand up to challenge, to challenge gender bias, stereotypes, uh, discrimination, to challenge... Uh, uh, inequal chances and salaries, you know, that kind of thing, sometimes male dominance in certain areas. Uh, we see progress, we absolutely see progress year after year, this, this is sure, but we see slow progress, to be honest. Uh, we yes. are still uh, today in the tech industry, the positions are held by women, only maybe 30% are held by women, and if we're speaking about, of course, leadership roles in the tech, then it's only 20%. So we're still not where we should need to go. But I, I need to say to the, to the young girls that you know, question themselves about their future, this is not an excuse not to join. Because even if we are in minority in certain areas, this is a very, very nice place to be. Because first of all, companies, they pay attention now. A lot of companies, they are very conscious about the need to leverage the whole population and the, the, the value of diversity. So there is a real effort made to incorporate, to welcome, 
to you know to pay attention to the way of thinking of women to uh, fight these these bias and stereotypes also by educating everybody so this is a, this is there's really an effort being made here and also being in a community uh, where maybe we're only 20 percent is not necessarily a uh, Painful is not necessarily difficult. We are very nice male colleagues, so it's not something we should be afraid of. Second, the tech industry, generally speaking, is growing, is in demand. There's a lot of jobs. So this is a nice place to be. This is where, you know, you can be sure to get a future in this area. And also, um, this is a place that will, that gives place to creativity. In technology, there's always a chance that you can express a different way of doing. There's, there's near open for that. So I, I think this is really a, a sweet spot to be. And we talk about technology and now we, we will go on AI, artificial intelligence. This is the debate that I'm passionate about for two decades. So my question and the question from, from our uh, uh, team, it's how AI and technology can accelerate the digital transformation and increase the business revenue since you are working it right in a daily basis. This is a very good question, Lovna, and very clearly, uh, digital transformation is on its way at light speed. At light speed, it goes very quick. It will not stop. And even the COVID crisis has really given it uh, an additional impulse because we we've all been learning very quickly to do remote uh, way of working. Uh, digital marketplace became central in everyone's life. Remote operation, um, yeah, virtualized products, everything. So I think that that's very clear. But now it's a, it's a very growing domain, and and it's going to continue. Uh, digital transformation is enabled by a number of factors. Number one is high computing. Um, high computing systems. Number two is cloud, of course, and virtualization and mass market clouds now available, big data analytics and, uh, and algorithm. And then of course, at artificial intelligence. And in the last five years, all of these pillars, all of these components, they have developed to a degree that now they create really a platform for mm -hmm. digital transformation to take place. Um, the, the such tools, um, are really important. Maybe I can give you a couple of examples about uh, the way I see digital transformation in our business. So maybe I can take the example of the digital twin. And what's the digital twin? It's exactly, it's a, it's a replication, it's a model, a digital model of a complex system that models the performance, the behaviors, the consumption, the, et cetera, everything. And it can be as complicated as as simulating a city with all the interfaces, all the exchanges, all the flows uh, of different nature that a city has to face. And having a digital twin of something is extremely powerful because it helps you simulate to a very, with a very high degree of accuracy any the influence of you know, changing something, adding a component, modifying. So it's, it's almost like you, you, you're capable of really uh, testing uh, before injecting uh, a very complex change on your system. And by doing that, you enable a very rapid decision making. People are less afraid to make strong investment because they can test on the digital twin. And if I take the example of, uh, of Airbus, for example, in the way we build an aircraft, we now also do this with a digital twin. So we're going to have a complete digitized end-to-end -end system from the very early stages of design to the end of the operation that models the aircraft and its ecosystem, the airport and, and all the rest to be able to help us in the decision-making and the design. So we save time, 
it's an acceleration of the time to market. I have um, uh, you. You talk about digital twin, which is uh, great because we had uh, at least two guests who talk uh, uh, dive deeply uh, in this uh, in, the, in this uh, concept, which is a reality today. So with Didem uh, from Cambridge, but also Neil Watson from Singularity University, and it, you remember me those topics very a very interesting one that it's part of our reality now. But what are the main challenges of a digital transformation today? I think it's um, uh, one of them. It's how to help and empower the people, right? To 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 go through this process, which is not a, 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 an easy process, right? Especially in a big uh, corporate with a lot of uh, verticals, right? So, mm -hmm. what, what are the, the challenges yeah. from your perspective today? So after more yeah. than twenty-five years. In, in, yeah, that's in, a good point. So th there are several challenges. There are some that I think are pretty common to every industry, and there are some that are very specific to our industry, or well, maybe others have it. But uh, so maybe I will start with this one. So one thing that is first we need to to understand is that in the aircraft and in the space industry, we have platforms that live for twenty five years, and that means that the platforms that have been developed before the digital transformation. Um, somehow they have to continue living this way. It's difficult to transform them. You see what I mean? So we, we have one of our problematic is that for many, many years, we will have you know, the new generation of products where we will have completely digitalized the number of things and we will have to still maintain the rest. And we have this, this you know, we cannot just switch from one it's to like the a, other. It's, it's, it's like a parallel mainstream. It's a parallel mainstream exactly. in a way. To, right. to, to maintain something and to create another thing and then to switch when it's, it's the right time. Because we need to maintain our installed base for many, yeah. many years. There's limits to what you can change on them. Okay. So, and of course, having that, facing that can be perceived as, as, as something slowing down the, the, the decision to move to the other system. So we need to be very careful that we need to go quickly, even though we will have to maintain on or install base. Well, mm -hmm. This is something that in some industries you don't face because products are, you know, changing so often they don't have the same span, the same life. life yes, correct. In tech company, uh, we don't face those things because it's going so fast. So even if, if we have something to, uh, let's say, to refine or to redefine, we can do it very quick. And it's because the process is like this. At the init initially, it's like this. Well, then, of course, there's many, many factors and uh, technology is one because digital transformation takes a lot of technologies that is clear, but they are here. They are here. They are ready. So it's just up to us to master them. The, the big problem is really the people. And it's the people on two dimensions. There is the skills, the competencies, the capabilities, and there is the desire, the motivation and the capability to change. And this, this is really where the problem is. The problem is not in the tooling. The problem is not in the system. <laughs> Uh, just to give you a little example, in Europe, because yeah. uh, we're working with the European Commission on a project called Pact for Skills, in Europe, uh, we have estimated that in the aerospace industry alone, huh? only aerospace mm -hmm. industry, in the next five years, we need to upskill 600,000 people. Okay, So it's huge volume of people across Europe yeah. that we need to upskill because what they're doing today and the way they're doing it will change. So it's, it's massive. It's massive. It's training. It's training on the job. Of course, training it rapidly, uh, making their brain really operate differently, um, approaching more the concept of modeling, modeling, system modeling, which are not natural for everyone. 
-hmm. And then, of course, it's also embracing them. In, I mean, making sure that they agree, making sure that they, they buy in, that they understand. So this is no more a question of competencies than this is really the soft skills. What's in it for me? What will I win? What will I earn by by working on that? What will be my role, my decision? There's also, you know, a little aspect about if more decisions or more simulation or calculation are conducted by the machine, what is my value to the job? You know, that, that kind of question exists and we can't ignore them because if we ignore them, uh, we will try to do, the, to do the upgrade without embarking on boarding the people. It will not work. At some point we need to. Yeah. So this is really, really where, this is really where it is difficult and it is. And, and this is the hardest part, right? I mean, yeah. the hardest part is not about skills, but it's about motivation. The second part that you talk about, motivation, engage people with deep belief. This is what I call it, engage people with deep, with deep belief, which is very hard because it's not only engaging people by controlling them or giving them some incentive and it's right, because I think this model, it's already an old fashioned model and it exists, right? But now it's more about uh, diving deeply in their belief and, and create this engagement according to a belief of a commitment, a real commitment uh, collectively in order to increase the revenue and to, uh, to create a new things, you know, new business, new product, new technology, whatever. It depends on the business and the area. But this is the hardest part, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm yeah. quite sure that you, you are challenged uh, in this way because you are working in thousands of engineers, right? In order to to transform and to help together for sure uh, within your industry, right? Incredible. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's two other questions. We have a concept named share the stage and open the debate. And within these concepts, we invite two questions from the audience uh, to our guests. So the first question is coming from Tao, 36 years from Bijane. Mm -hmm. So she asked, Working in a factory for 15 years as a mechanical engineer and reading about the future of work, I'm wondering that my job will not exist anymore after 10 years. Do I need to learn coding to prepare myself for such change in my job? <laughs> so Tawo, this is, this is really a great question. And I'm pretty sure that your job in 10 years will be different. I'm not sure it will not exist, but it will not exist in the form it is today. Or if it does, then your company will be in serious trouble because the competition will have taken the train and they need to take it as well. So yes, that's clear. Mechanical engineer, we will see a part of the work being progressively done by, by cobot, by robot, by simulation, by modeling, by calculation, automated calculation. And what you need to learn is not, I'm not sure this is coding as such. You know, I'm not sure this is coding, uh, so, mm -hmm. but you need to understand what are these tools that are going to be uh, helping you in your job and become familiar with these tools, become familiar about how we program them, how we parameter them, how we monitor them, how we get some, you know, how we feed them, how we train them as well, because AI, yeah. it's all about training the machine, you know, giving, giving uh, data for the machine to self-learn so th this is what we need to be we need to train on this is not so much coding but this is really understanding the ecosystem the technical ecosystem that will surround your activity and uh, get familiar with it yes absolutely essential great the second question coming from nadia 16 years from dubai so she, she said social media and the virtual world is entertaining and i can spend hours without getting bored 
I feel that the virtual world is not for children with all cyberbullying, digital addiction, and more risk. From your perspective, how can we save children and young people in this? I'm, I'm just adding that she's talking on virtual world, right? Yeah. Well, so Nadia, you touched really the tricky part because this is, this is a very complicated, very valid and very complicated question, in my opinion. How can we do that? Uh, there is a portion of education, this is clear. Uh, this is not my field of expertise, although I'm a mom of three <laughs> who have been quite quite, you know, a computer addict, I have to say. Um, there's a portion of education because I believe strongly we as people, we as women, but we as people, we need to show to our people that the life is rich and the life is complete and is not just limited to online connectivity, right? Mm -hmm. Discovering the beauty of nature, visiting the world when we will be able to do so. Um, yeah, hopefully soon. Practicing sport, being you know, being surrounded by the wonder of, of the nature of the planet we live on, um, appreciating the social, physical contact of people and the deep conversation you can have when you are face to face, not behind the screen, but really, you know, analyzing the emotions and all of this. This is rich, this is rewarding. And if we can find a way to, to leave that ourselves as examples, of course, and to transfer this message to our kids. I hope that we can save them from becoming 100% connected you know, because right. they need some digital detox. But I know this is far from, this is not easy. I certainly know it's not easy because ourselves sometimes we're, we're stuck into this. Uh, and I believe regulations play a role as well. I mean, we need to be regulated. Uh, we may not like uh, moderation, but uh, to a certain degree, uh, this is right that internet is not, it's a wild space. It's a very wild space and social media in particular. And I believe that regulation and moderation need to play their role to protect our kids. And uh, we need to make sure that they don't get access to anything, that they, there are some controls put in place. And of yeah. course, we see this is popping up a little bit huh, in, the, in the recent months where we have seen the social media all of a sudden uh, taking action, not necessarily always appropriate, but at least now they see that they have a corporate responsibility towards mm -hmm. the, the society. And I believe that this needs to be part. Whether these two elements are sufficient to really reach the goal of protecting our kids, I don't know. I, I see them as two essential elements, but uh, maybe not uh, sufficient. Okay, so during this discussion, we, we talk about technology, AI, digital transformation, the role of women in technology. We accept two questions and we are lucky to have them from the audience. Now we will end up uh, on one of the With more than 50,000 young people empowered in time of pandemic and uncertainty, we are grateful to our remarkable guests with exponential experiences and from great organizations such as Amazon, World Economic Forum, Harvard, Google, Berkeley and more. Thank you to our great audience and keep tuned for this new episode in the unique AI channel of trust by AI Exponential Thinker.